Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. This is Everything Under the Sun, brought to you by the youth leadership at Door Church. We hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening. Hey guys, and welcome back to Everything Under the Sun. Uh, this is Pastor Gabe, and we're with Daniel. What's up? Eddie. Hey. Phil. Hey. JR. What's up? And Corey. How are you guys doing? So we are glad that you are back. If you haven't heard our uh, previous episodes, um, feel free to go back and listen to them. Then you'll know kind of what we're talking about now. Um, we are following the number 40 through the book of Exodus, and we are at Mount Sinai, where Moses spent 40 days uh, quarantined with God up on the top of a mountain and um, some amazing things kind of happened all around that up on the mountain on the bottom of the mountain after he was on the mountain um, it's called Exodus chapter 32 Um, also just kind of want to throw something in here what we're doing is not so much saying that uh, we are the be-all end-all and we are we are the the commentators on this what we're really trying to do is inspire people to get into the word of God. I want mm. you to go back and read Exodus chapter 32. You're going to see things in there that, of, of course, we don't see. Or you're going to see things like, you know, what? I don't agree with that. <laughs> I want people to to open up conversation about the word. I want people to be Bible nerds. I want you to geek out on the Bible like, like we do, like I do. I love this stuff. Like there's times where I can't turn the pages fast enough. Like it's just like I feel like is this going to disappear. I'm going to forget what I'm thinking. And then you read it. And, and uh, like Pastor Warner says, scripture interprets scripture. So. Um, this is amazing stuff. So we're going to start off in uh, Exodus chapter 32, and we're going to work our way through it. There's a lot here, um, and so let's let's get going. All right. Before I get started with uh, verses 1 through 9 here, I, I want to kind of dovetail off what you were saying, Pastor Gabe. I was talking to your uncle once, and he says one of the unique things about the Bible is that it begs for our commentary. So that's... Yeah, I can guess which uncle that was. Okay. (laughs) My my favorite one of your uncles. All right, so starting in verse 1 of chapter 32 of Exodus. When the people saw that Moses delayed from coming down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who will go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what's become of him. So Aaron said to them, Take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, your daughters, and bring them to me. So the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool. And he made for them a golden calf. They said, then he said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. The Lord said to Moses, go down for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshiped it and sacrificed to it. These and said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen these people. Behold, they are a stiff necked people. So what, what's jumping out at you on that one, Corey? All right. So uh, number one, I mean, when you're dealing with the 10 plagues of Egypt and then you're dealing with passing through the Red Sea, uh, 
where the water literally stood up like a wall on their right hand and their left hand. It is impossible to refute the miracle working of God in removing them from Egypt and bringing them to Sinai to worship. Mm -hmm. The whole reason that Moses told Pharaoh to release his people was so that they could go to Sinai and worship. That's the whole reason. So they finally get here and it takes them exactly two seconds to say, hey, we don't know what's going on with all the thunder and the lightning and like it's a crazy volcano activity up on top of the mountain. We don't know what all that's about, but make us a calf. Uh, make us make us an, a, a God that we can worship. It's like they revert right back to that, that idea of physically visible gods. Yes. You know, like, and, and, and I think that that's, that's very poignant because of the fact that we revert to physically visible gods. We like gods that we can see. And uh, this is the reason why we have TV shows like American Idol, The Voice, right? We like to worship things that we can see. This is why there's a, a, an entire industry based around beauty. I've made a revelation that the beauty ideal, according to like Vogue magazine, is not you. That's the ideal, right? Mm. So we like to see visible things that we can worship. But there's, there's a lot that jumps out of me in this chapter, but it all comes later, right? Because right. this piece is really just the warm-up to the rest of what's about to happen. So I, I'm, I'm going to have to wait to, to say a lot of what I want to say until, until we get into the, the meat of the rest of the chapter. It's not like this chapter isn't just nuts to begin with, but yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I think to... To the point that you said they had just been delivered from Egypt, but you also got to remember that these people waited for Moses 40 days, right? So, you know, you've just been released out of the land of Egypt. You're literally in the middle of nowhere. Your leader just went up to a mountain and, you know, no instruction, no nothing. And you're literally waiting there 40 days. Right. So, yes, you're seeing the, the thunder and the lightning and stuff like that. But the people of Israel were waiting there. It's, you know, it's not like it Wait, was. Are, are you making an excuse for them? Or <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm yeah. saying we're that. Totally hey, defending this behavior. Hey, you know, <laughs> you try wait. You can't even wait for God sometimes 40 minutes. Or not. Okay. All right. All so right. I was yeah. waiting for the other. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So yeah. it's kind of like it, it, I think it's important, to, you know, God's delays in our lives. Right. How are we going to act? when God's not moving as we expected or as fast as we'd like him to move, right? But we don't know, or at this point, people of Israel didn't know what God was doing up there with Moses, right? Meeting with him, giving him instruction for them, right? But they're so short-sighted that they're just like, uh-uh, you know, we're, See, we're not going to wait. It's very interesting that you say that because the Bible says, right, that the word of God is a light unto our feet and a lamp unto our path. And we think about lights and we think about, you know, fluorescent lights. We think about 100-watt light bulbs that light a room, right? But a lamp is like a candle. So how far ahead of you can you see with a lamp when that was written? A step. So sometimes God gives us just the next step. Go to Sinai and worship me. No explanation, no time frame, no how long do you stay there. You just go and you just obey and you just obey to the next step. And sometimes it's hard for us to, to sit still because we feel like we have to be in motion. So I, I get what you're saying. 
yeah. I, I think I like what you guys are saying in that. Um, sorry, Jared. Uh, I like what you guys are saying in that. Um, sometimes we tell ourselves, well, if I could just see God or yeah. see God moving, never mind God's bombing the top of this mountain, <laughs> right? Exactly. Like God just this like totally like f- fat boy or little man or whatever it's calling, just nuclear war heading the top of this mountain. But Moses has been gone for 40 days. So yeah, let's, let's, let's build. Oh, I said 40 ap- years. I'm sorry. Yeah. But he's been gone for 40 <laughs> days. So let's create Apis, the Egyptian bull God mm. and worship that dude. And because obviously Moses is dead or whatever. Also, if you, if you think about it, um, Exodus 32 is a study in contrast. Like yes. you have God doing sovereign, holy work on the top of a mountain giving the law that's going to pretty much be the basis of, of, uh, you know, all Western law moving forward. Um, and then you have people at the bottom of the mountain doing whatever they want. And that's, that's kind of the, the meta of it. Yeah. I just, I just wanted to say something cause I think it's been said several times, like you cannot underestimate the power of sight in this. Yes. And it's yes. just, I, I, I could not help but think back to a quote from Aristotle, and he says, all men by nature desire to know. And an indication of this is the delight we take in our senses. For every, even apart from their use and usefulness, they are loved for themselves. Hmm. And above all others, the sense of sight. Wow. Yeah. And so the golden calf was something that they could walk around and talk about perversion when things are twisted. It wasn't an entirely new God I, in my mind because he says, this is your God, O Israel. And then he says, tomorrow's the feast of the Lord. And that's yeah. the name of God. So he's like, this is totally compatible with what Moses has already been telling us. Yes, but it's obviously good. not. So it didn't, they didn't discard the Lord, but they're like, now you have an idol that will go before you. Yeah. You can see it. And that was exactly what God was trying to do to break in them. He's yes. like, you have all these Egyptian gods that you can see, but I'll give you my name. And yes. that's it. And they're totally just reverting back to, I need to see it. Yeah. And, yeah, it, and yeah. you got and you can't underestimate that. I think that in this uh, portion of scripture. And I, uh, just keying off of what Corey said about, you know, needing to be busy. One thing I think about is they're being busy, but in the wrong way. No, yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're creating, you know, something that should not be created because they're thinking, oh, I'm being proactive in my worship, but it's not the right type of worship. Yes. It was a materialistic worship. But uh, one thing I think of it is kind of the uh, resounding theme of what we've been talking about is that. Um, that in the, in this time that they could have used for productivity, they could have used it in a, in a positive way, they went in the negative direction. So in this time, you might feel like, especially during this time of, you know, waiting, quarantining, you can kind of feel like, um, you know, that it's it, God's on hold right now. Like whatever God's doing, whatever God was doing, you know, in our church or in this world, it's put on hold a little bit. It's like, no, you have to trust that God's still working and you have to be doing your part as well. So while Moses is on top of that mountain, while you're down here in this, in this, you know, at the base of the mountain, feeling like you're not really contributing, like contribute, do something. That's really good. Practical application alert. (laughs) I think think it was interesting when, when you were reading the scripture, uh, you know, kind of moving along in, 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 in the verses is when the Lord says to Moses, your people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You emphasize your <laughs> yeah. when you read it. And I was yeah. like, hmm, it's not his people, but yeah. God's kind of, but God's kind of like, here, 
Yeah, <laughs> they're yours. Yeah, look at yours. You know, when they the, exhibit the, this behavior, look they're at yours. the people you delivered. It's like, yeah. no, wait a minute. My you know? parents. So I thought that was kind of interesting <laughs> that God's all like passes the buck. You know, yeah, not but, really, but the, you know, I, parents I, do it all the time, man. You got to deal with your son. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Danny, you have to deal wait, with your children. Wait, you had a fifty-fifty stake in this deal. <laughs> All right, so Exodus 32, 9 through 14, we'll, we'll move forward. Uh, Exodus 32, 9 through 14. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen these pe this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone, and my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them in order that I, make, that I may make a great nation of you. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptian, Egyptians say with evil intent that he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven. And all this land that I have promised, I will give to your offspring, and they shall inherit it forever. <clears throat> Verse 14, right? And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. Um, so what I got out of, um, out of what I just read was, um, you know, when, when he says, I have seen this people, and indeed is it is a stiff stiff necked people, right? So he kind of looks at them and says, "You know what? I'm done with this. You know, I've had enough of this." So Moses, guess what? I'm gonna make you a deal here. I'm gonna make you an offer. You know that that you can't uh, turn down, right? And he I'm basically make you an offer you can't refuse exactly, right? And he basically I was waiting on it. <laughs> He basically, in my opinion, offers Moses like a version 2.0 of Abraham. You know, like, hey, I'm going to make a great nation out of you if you just leave me alone, right? And let me kind of, um, I was trying to come up with like a Pastor Gabe line to where, you know, it's hip and modern. But basically he says, I'm going to destroy them, you know, kind of leave me alone. Pastor Gabe would have been like, you know, I'm going to go up on these dudes and slap them upside the head or something. God right? was offering so, to whack some fools, right? There you go. <laughs> exactly. You um, can edit that out. Head of your lightweight. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, one of the things that stood out as well and is when um, I think God was expecting Moses to listen to him in the sense of, okay, you're God. You said to do this, and guess what? I'm just going to turn my back. I'm going to walk down, right, and let you do your thing. But Moses doesn't do that. He says, no, 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 wait a minute, right? He begins to kind of be their lawyer and, you know, kind of uh, uh, argue against what God wants to do. And it brought me back to Genesis chapter 18 when Abraham does the same thing yeah. when it comes to Sodom and Gomorrah. Right? God says, I'm going to destroy these people. And Abraham's, no, 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 wait a minute. Right? Are you really going to destroy even the righteous among them? And he goes from 50 to 40 to yeah. 30 and then settles on 10. Right? And then I think it's the, the last verse of chapter 18 that says, when the Lord was done talking to Abraham, he went home. 
right? At least that's the version that I went. It says he went home, hmm. right? So the importance of, again, not challenging, but I think at times God wants to see how, we were gonna, how we're gonna react, right? And if you have the same grace or God, you know, if we share the same heart, you know you're not gonna do this, right? So go ahead, Corey, you're, you're burning to say something. No, I, I, I just, I, I feel like I have to disagree with you, but only just slightly. Okay, okay. I do not think that God expected Moses to walk down the hill. Okay. I think God expected Moses to argue with him. Because what God wants is for people who will stand in the gap. And I'll tell you why, mm -hmm. right? Abraham stood in the gap and God accounted it for righteousness. Now let's fast forward to communion, right? We just did communion. It was just Easter. Jesus the disciples, John and James, asked, can we sit at your right hand in eternity? And he goes, are you able to drink the cup that I'm going to drink? And they went, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, totally. And he's like, do you even know what I'm going to drink? But you're going to drink the cup. He goes, you don't even know, but you're going to do it. And then at communion, he takes the cup and he drinks it and says, this is the blood of my new covenant that I drink. You drink it too. Do this often in remembrance of me. But what cup was he drinking? What cup was he talking about to James and John? The cup of God's wrath. Hmm. So he's talking about the cup of wrath. And then he hands the cup of wrath to the disciples and says, drink this in remembrance of me. So now he says, the world will hate you. But when the world hates you, rejoice because it first hated me. So the cup that the disciples drank were not, was not the wrath of God. Jesus was appeasing that. But it was the wrath of man against the good news of the gospel. Hmm. They were recognizing the fact that there was a contract that was signed in blood. And they're saying, God, Jesus stood in the gap between you, between your wrath and the people. Correct. But so, at this time, though, that hadn't occurred. No, but see, but I, I'm, I'm fast forwarding so uh -huh. I can rewind. Right? Okay, so, cool, he, cool. so then when the disciples drink, what they're identifying with is saying, I will also stand in the gap for the people. There are damned people in the world. I will stand in the gap and I will bring God's redemption and righteousness to them. I will stand in the gap. Who will go for us? Whom shall we send? Here I am, send me. Right? It's all about standing in the gap. So what did Abraham do? He stood in the gap for the people of Sodom. What did Moses do? He the stood only in the thing gap that for is, the Israelites. I don't think that at that time... Right. I mean, that takes guts. Right. If you take, oh, if you talk about Abraham, right, if you talk about Abraham is you're, you're literally challenging God. Yeah. And at that time, God wasn't known as to be the sweetest person. Right. <laughs> or to have the sweetest personality in the sense of, you again, know, I disagree. So, so, I mean, again, right. So no, I, I think I, I think you guys are proving each other's point in that Moses was full, probably fully expecting to get whacked himself for even speaking up but the fact that he did do it right that he did say and even later on spoiler alert he says um uh, let my name be blotted out of the book yeah. like mm, if yeah. anybody's gonna take it i'll take it yeah and so he literally stood in the gap knowing that if what if i say something like abraham you know hey i've spoken like um my bad but um, and, you know, the, the father of the Jews haggling with God. Who would have thought that? So Moses <laughs> is now he's yeah. talking to God and, and he's probably thinking, man, I'm going to be a grease spot after this. A lot of times you look at these conversations between man and God and you're like, oh, my gosh, like such boldness. But 
when I read them, I see them almost like as exposition through dialogue. Hmm. So what it is is it's not just that man himself was so bold to confront God, but that man, by asking these questions and pleading, it reveals things of God to us, yes. us, the Bible readers. So you look at like the conversation between Moses and he's saying, God, what about all these things that you have done? And really... In a lot of ways, it's not like God's like, it's not like, oh, Moses, you reminded me of all the things that you've done. No, he's reminding us. Yeah. So in history, the dialogue speaks of the greatness of God. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And so in way, in some ways, when like, say when Job was like, you know, having conversations with God, those conversations are more revealing of who God is than who Job was. Yeah. And in the same way, when you're talking about Abraham, you know, like Abraham talking about Sodom and he's pleading with God, it shows more about God than it shows it shows about Abraham in a lot of ways because that conversation reflects. And we know that like in scripture, the spirit of God can rest upon somebody and thus inspires the scripture that we are reading right now. So when we're talking about a, a communication between God and man, like we you you can't just attribute that just to the man because a lot of times it's exposition through dialogue revealing the greatness and the wonder of god scripture is god breathes like like god didn't know that was going to happen that's really good i'm going to come with another practical application <laughs> this is practical eddie <laughs> so uh what i think about this is you know moses is you know, not reminding but he's he's what what is moses doing he's having a conversation with god what's that called praying <laughs> wow. So, very good. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Very good. So <laughs> what he's doing is he's reminding God of the covenants he made to Abraham. Yes. So some of our prayers, some of our pleas have to be, mm-hmm. God, remember your covenant. Remember what you're, you're, you're going to do for your people. And that should be something that we're praying even today is, you know, the Bible's full of covenants of God. And those should be something not just, oh, God, I pray for a raise it or, you know, obviously like that stuff yeah, that you need yeah. to pray for, but like the gimme, gimme, gimme attitude, or you could just be like, God, like I want the covenants that you've laid out for us. Yeah, and how will we know yes. the covenants yep. if, and the promises, if we're not reading the word. Exactly. Exactly. Imagine Moses as a leader, not knowing quote unquote his Bible. Cause he knows in a sense Moses is the lawgiver, right? And so one of these things about law is precedent, right? You set a precedent and you look back on these things. And he says, God, you swore to mm. Abraham. Mm, you yes. swore. So you're not going to do this because you're wor- you can't break yeah. your word. And so if yeah. because Moses knew that, he says, I can push back against God with what God has already said he's going to do. And so because Moses knew that, that's what makes him a great leader is because he says, God, you swore this to them. You're not going to break your promises right now. So I, I, I can't speak to whether Moses was going to take the deal or not, but I know in the way that he reacted, he said, look at what you've already promised. Yes. Just yeah, yeah. as Eddie yeah. said, you know, you pray to God, and you say, God, this is what you've already promised in your word. Thus, I can I can come to you in confidence in this yeah, way. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I think absolutely. another thing is he says Moses kind of gives the people back to God because he says the people that you brought out. Right. God just told them your people. And then Moses are like, nope, you <laughs> brought them out. Right. Yeah. So he, he gives the people back to God. So are you saying says, this what this conversation was a test of Moses? I believe that it was 
based off what I what I said earlier. Um, again, we can. No, we, I, 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 it was a test, and Moses passed the test. God said, "Hey, watch out! I'm going to whack these guys." Yeah. And Moses said, um, "No, you're not, because I remember what you said before." Yeah, exactly. God said, "All right, you passed the test." What's he had Quizlet. The first five it. books of the Bible <laughs> were written by Quizlet. Moses. <laughs> right. Yeah. So he is the historian who wrote everything about Adam, Eve, everything about their descendants, everything about Abraham and Abraham's covenants. Moses wrote all that. That's how well he knew it, is that he documented the history. So Jesus, our advocate, Moses, the lawgiver. So basically Jesus was fulfilled. He said, I didn't come to abolish the law or Moses, exactly. but to fulfill Moses, the law, right? So we, we see a whole lot of Jesus in uh, what we're looking at right now. In Moses, yeah. And then when he reminds him, well, tells him, hey, what about the Egyptians? What are they going to say? Right? So before he mentions his covenant with Abraham and Isaac, he says, wait a minute. What about the Egyptians? They're going to say, hey, you really brought these people out, you know, to kill them? You know, so... That's yeah, I got, I got something to say too. Just gonna say a cliche <laughs> statement: committing covenants to memory will create confidence in Christ. Wow, I've never heard that before. That's not cliche, <laughs> but it does. <laughs> but it will that's be straight doctrine. <laughs> yeah, that, that's very good. Wait, that's did you know that? like you, five C's in there. Where'd you get that from? In right, right below my Nike cap. <laughs> Veggie tails. <laughs> Veggie tails. <laughs> Veggie tails. Awesome. Yeah. So. One of the primo commandments, right, is do not take the Lord's name in vain. Okay. Now, I did a lot of research on that, okay, because we have a certain view of what that means, right? So every time there's a GD or a JC in a movie, we're like, oh, taking the Lord's name in vain, okay? But it's not. It has nothing to do with speech. Hmm. The word take literally means to carry. So it's like a wife who takes her husband's last name, right? So when God says, do not take my name in vain, he's saying, don't carry my name. Don't say that you represent me if you're going to give me a bad name. So Moses here, before the commandments are issued, is saying, God, don't give yourself a bad name. You're, don't make your name vain in the, in the eyes of the world. Mm -hmm. You brought us out. Give yourself a good reputation. Make it a good reason. Just a correction, the... Uh some of the commandments were already given at this point. Yeah. Actually, I, there was, I'm not, I'm just messing with you, but there no. was like, <laughs> there a lot, a lot of stuff was given at this point. Like, uh, Moses is art. This is the third time he'd been up the mountain. That's something I was telling the guys. I didn't really realize until I started studying for this. So if you read the Bible, you'll see something new every time. <laughs> um, but this is the third time he's been up the mountain and he's come down twice and we're going to get into some other stuff. But, uh, no, it, there's been a, a lot that has happened at this point. Yeah, actually, I had a question about the the timeline itself, and maybe maybe you guys can illuminate. I know me. Daniel can. Yeah. So previous in the previous chapter, um, you look at it, and Daniel was talking about how the people, the children of Israel, hadn't been given like a lot of direction. Well, the whole previous chapter is all direction. It's literally like setting up social norms and setting up the priesthood, and then the chapter before that, setting up the priesthood and social norms, and then there's like commandments light in the previous chapters before that. I think the so, Ten Commandments have already been given at this so, point. And so yeah, my sure. question is, where in the timeline, because in, they go up to Mount Sinai, like they arrive there chapters before, almost like eight chapters yeah, before. Yeah, that starts at verse uh, chapter 19. Yeah, exactly, chapter 19. So my question is like, 
what's the timeline? Because there's all this law in between chapter 19 and chapter 32. It could be anywhere from 40 days to 120 days is what I've read. So you got 13 chapters covering 120 days. And then in a previous podcast episode, we talked about three verses covering 40 years. Yeah. So um, if you're going to geek out on stuff in the Bible, like geek out on some of the timelines, like (laughs) this is God is saying this is important because I'm going to write 13 chapters on like three months at max. Yeah. Um, All right. So let's move on to J.R. Yeah, we're going verse 15 to 25. And Moses turned and went up from the mountain and the two tablets of testimony were in his hand. And the, ta- uh, the tablets were written on both sides, and on one side uh, and on the other side were written. Now the tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp. But he said, it is not the noise of the shout of victory, nor the noise of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing I hear. So it was as he came down and near the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing. So Moses' anger became hot, and he cast down the tablets in his hand and broke them at the foot of the mountain. Then he took the calf which they had made, burned it with fire, and ground it into powder. And he scattered it on the water and made the children of Israel drink it. And Moses said to Aaron, "What uh, what did this people do to you that you have brought such a great sin upon them? So Aaron said, do not let the anger of my Lord become hot. You know the people, they are set on evil. For they said to me, make me gods, uh, make us gods that we shall go, they shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And I said to them, whoever has any gold, let them break it off so that he can give it to me and I'll cast it into the fire. And this calf came out. That's like the best line. In- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Best compound best line. It's kind of happening. <laughs> I just give I out. Know, Dad. <laughs> now, when Moses saw that the people were unrestrained for Aaron had not restrained them to their shame among their enemies. Now, the two big things that just popped out at me were, man, it's so heart, heartbreaking, is judgment and shame. Hmm. Where, I mean, Moses really, I mean, he's angry, but he burns the calf with fire, grinds it into powder, <laughs> and then makes the children of Israel drink it. Like, that's, anybody can conjure an image of that in their mind. Taste of their own like, medicine? Yeah, and, and as we might talk about later, even more judgment to come. So, um, sin has to be judged. You know, when you do something wrong, it has to be judged. But even more than that, it's not just the sin that's heartbreaking, it's the shame. Hmm. Because I went back to Exodus 19, and this is just like, this is God who's brought, the, he's brought these people out for his own purposes. And he says in verse 5 to 6, Now therefore you will indeed obey my voice and keep my commandment, and you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. For the earth is mine, and you shall be as to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Right. He says, here is your destiny. Here is your purpose. And they threw it away because they wanted to see a calf, and mm-hmm. they wanted to dance. He brought them out, the plagues. He did all this stuff. They know he's real. They know he's there. And they say, you know what? We want to see the God, and we want to 
have pleasure dancing right now. And they just totally threw it away. They just totally. And so even people who are in church, grown up in church or been saved for 20 years, you can throw it all away because you just want to do your own thing. Yeah. And right. um, you don't regard what God has done, uh, his plan for your life. You say, nah, that's cool. I don't want to do that. Yeah. And so to me, that's just like, that's the most heartbreaking part of this thing. It, and they bring shame to, to the people of God, to God's name through their actions. He says, the nations are looking at you right now and you're a laughing stock. And so yeah. that's just this. That's really good. My feeling. Like, like I said, this is a study in contrast. So God is having the ultimate rave on top of the mountain, like the lights and the music and all this. And then they're like, let's, um, let's do our own dance party. Okay. JR, you're being nice calling it a dance party. Really? Yeah. 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 Well, what was going on? Corey, it's a little bit more expound on that, please. If you really want to know, what the the pagan worship ask your parents. was? Yeah, ask your parents. Yeah, kids, exactly. uh, fast forward. No, it, cover your ears. It was, it was essentially an orgy, drunken orgy. That's right. It was it, it was a drunken partying twenty four hour orgy. Uh, that's what it means when it says they sat down to eat and drink and they rose up to play. Uh, play is a colloquialism. So uh, uh, Old King James says to sport. It's the same word that Potiphar's wife used against Joseph. He wanted to make sport of me. It's it's sexual. Um, so this dude, Moses, Moshe, where, where did he go? I don't know. He's dead. Okay. Let's build this, this, this gold, this calf thing. We get up, we play music and we have an orgy. Let's do that. Huh? Like, yeah. wh wh how did we get here? <laughs> dude, turn into how a New Yorker. <laughs> how did we get here? Like, yeah. Yeah. How did you Okay. Okay. So let far? me, okay. I got, now, all right. Go I've been, ahead, I've been ahead. holding this dagger under my cloak, but let's, let's do this because I always thought that this was done in a vacuum like okay moses is dead we have nothing what do we do now like i just kind of handed that to them right but if you go back to uh chapter i believe let me let me go back here you go back to chapter 24 chapter 24 we talked about a bunch of stuff has already happened here there is no vacuum chapter 24 god tells moses go down get Aaron and his two sons, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the leaders of Israel. So 74 dudes went up to the top of the mountain already. Those 74 dudes, you can read it in chapter 24. Those 74 dudes saw God with their own eyes. Yeah. Those 74 dudes saw God and they saw him wow. standing on something like blue glass, like the sky. Yeah. And yeah. they yeah. sat yeah. and they ate and they drank in the presence of God. Those 74 dudes. Wow. Then they come down off the mountain and yeah. they do this. God. Yeah. No vacuum. Just goes to show you, like JR said, you know, you can experience God at a different level and it's so easy to just throw it all away. For what? Right? Yeah. Well, that's well, see, what I mean, I my question is okay, one pressure. thing is to one thing is to build an idol, but then the other thing is to, hey, let's not just build an idol, let's have an orgy as well. Right? We can't just dance, we can't just drink, right? Let's go all the way, right? We like I think uh, Friday when you were preaching, the Pastor Warner says, not be not just because you fail means you have to fail. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So not just because you made this mistake means that you have to go all the way. Oh well, I watched 
pornography, so I might as well fornicate. Right. Right. So it's I, I think you come down from that mountain, but what goes on in your mind, I guess it's idolatry. Maybe idolatry does that. Right. It takes you to places you never thought of. Right. Sin will will keep you longer than you you know that than you've ever wanted to stand. It will make you do things that never wanted you, to do. You never wanted to do so. Phil. Uh, it just it just reminds me. I mean, we all talk about how human nature is like essentially inherently evil. Like our <laughs> fallen nature, like it wants to chase after the things that are contrary to God. So you go back to, I mean, in James, there's that you know famous scripture. You know, when desire is conceived, it breathes forth sin, and then when sin is full grown, then it comes to brings death. Yeah. And so, like, this is like. A perfect example. So the desires of men, you say like they put before in front of them this idol and they attributed all of those miracles. The person who brought you out of Egypt was actually this. And thus it like it disperses like their accountability to God himself and transfers it to something that's man-made. Yeah, that's very good. And from there, from there, their desires, they've come from something spiritual to something carnal. Hmm. And then their desires are like un, unbridled. They can just go wild. Unhinged. So you're saying yeah, like, how out. do they get from here to here? Yeah. It's man's nature. And yeah. when desire becomes, like conceives, it gives forth to sin. And then later on in the chapter, we're talking about death. Like death is coming. Yeah. It's the it's a cause and effect. Like sin, yeah, when about, it's full grown, will bring death. Speaking yeah. about timeline, yeah. though, is I wonder how much time passed between the 74 coming down the calf being made 40 plus days and then Ish. the yeah. Yeah. yeah but what i'm saying when the calf was made to where you know it did you know it, hey, it's going up might as well start you know right so yeah it, it, it's weird because you would think that and uh, i was talking to one of my favorite bible commentators and rabbis ramon ruby and he said um <laughs> <laughs> he said hey <AK>, pastor they <laughs> hey my dad he said uh ray uh <laughs> You would think these 73 guys would be able to lead 2 million people in the right direction, right? I mean, it's not like in, in chapter 23, verse 1, it says, You are not to repeat false rumors. Do not join hands with the wicked by offering perjured testimony. Do not follow the crowd when it does something wrong. That's the law that was already been given nine chapters ago. But... So 73 guys couldn't stand up to the, the, 20, the 2 million in front of them and say, No, this is what we saw. Yeah. This is what it is. Instead, it's like, okay, all right, give me your earrings and let's 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 do this now. You know, it was it's just it's a strange, strange story. But it is a, um, a study in human nature, like you guys are saying, like we are debased. But I, I think I think this is a great point to make a little segue and talk about God's amazing grace, because you have this incredible betrayal of Aaron. Right, he was just up on the mountain with God. He was just eating in God's presence, and he comes up with this whole idea, give me your earrings, and then with an engraving tool, he beats this gold into a golden calf, okay? So this is a lot of work that went into building this thing. There's this massive betrayal, but when God outs the people to Moses and says, go down, he says, the people have sinned, and he never outs Aaron. Hmm. He never says Aaron's name. He protects Aaron's reputation so Aaron can stay the priest in Moses' eyes. So Moses doesn't do something rash to Aaron. 
because he understands that Moses is going to be angry when he sees what's going on. So he never mentions Aaron. Hmm. He just says, the people sinned. And I thought, what an incredible testimony of God's grace to protect Aaron's reputation in the middle of his sin. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to piggy piggyback off of that. I kind of think of it in a little bit different way with Aaron. You know, Aaron kind of Moses comes down. He's like, oh, Moses is going to be pissed. <laughs> and so and so what does he say in verse 23? Uh, sorry. Uh, what was it? Uh, sorry, not that one. I was in the right place. 22. And Aaron said, let not the anger of my Lord, lowercase L, burn hot. You know the people that they are set on evil. So he's basically saying, hey, Moses, chill, chill. Don't get so mad. You know the people. You know their heart. You know. And so he's basically, he's thinking, oh, uh, my authority, Moses, in this regard, he's going to be mad that all this sin occurred. So what it makes me think of Aaron, and this is, I kind of saw, you know, people think Aaron of this small part of this whole story. I think he's a critical part. I think, to be honest, it reminds me of, you know, my teenage years, and this is probably a shout out to Vision, but like, basically, (laughs) you do something, no, I'm saying like, no, you you do something and you, and you, and you sin. And, and then you say, crap, my mom and dad are gonna be pissed. You know, or, yeah. oh, crap, my pastor's going to be pissed at me. But they're thinking lowercase L, but what we need to remind mm. ourselves is the wrath of God. Wow. Yes, yes. Uppercase L. Yeah, like, Aaron's yeah. not even thinking the wrath of God. He's thinking, oh, what's the wrath of Moses? Moses, chill yeah, out. Don't good. do anything crazy. Yeah, don't do anything crazy. But he's for totally, you know, so this is kind of just like, no, vision AO like, just like if, if, you know, if you find yourself in sin, you got to remind that yourself that it's it's not about what you, obviously you know parents and pastors are are going to be concerned, but it's what does God think about that? You know. So you mean that's what led Aaron to be like, and then and then and then this calf came out of the <laughs> yeah. fire. Yeah, yeah. And then it, it just kind of happened. Yeah. Yeah. I was totally just holding this calf. For I was, was going to throw some dirt on Aaron because he kind of was just like, hey, I just threw gold in there, and out of nowhere, <laughs> yeah, you know, this. I don't this know how that site popped up. You know? I really don't. Yeah, it's it's like people that go to and they're just like, Pastor, I don't know. We were just talking and one moment, me and this girl, and then the next, you know, we're, yeah, yeah. we're in the car and we're praying. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like, nah, 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 nah. Uh-uh. Don't give me that, right? I think Aaron is a perfect example of lazy leadership. Of a teenager. <laughs> and a, teena- and a teenage-minded Aaron leadership, teenager. right? Because instead of standing up he's to the people, he's like, okay, all right, you know. No, Aaron and his sons, uh, Nadab and Abihu, are an indictment on the church. Yeah. Yeah. In that, if we cannot divorce the people from their own desires by giving them the word of God, which we know, they yeah. knew, they were yeah. part of the 74 dudes, they knew, but they said, oh, we'll just give you what you want. And if, if we as leaders uh, give you what you want, we're not doing our job. Like Pastor Smith said, exactly. Pastor Smith said it the other night. If you don't read, you can't lead. Well, what are we reading? We're reading God's law. So we're going to move on in the chapter and we're going to, you need to go on and and read it yourself. Chapter 32. Um, If the only word that you get, just kind of parentheses, the only word that you get is through sermons or random podcasts or whatever. Come on, man. Really? Open your Bible, read it. So read the rest of verse or chapter 32. Um, What happens is Moses, um, kind of unleashes uh, kind of a massacre. What he says is to the people, whoever's with me or with God, stand with me and whoever's not, don't. The Levites rally to Moses 
Uh, FYI, they're related to Moses. Uh, Moses is part of the Levite tribe. But what happens is 3,000 people die that day. And then Moses goes back and reports to God up on the mountain what happened. And then God ends up saying, well, I haven't even judged them yet. So what that tells me is that Moses preemptively pulled the trigger on the judgment. And the, the law, the Bible says that the law is our tutor. The law is here to show us how messed up we are. Yeah. You can never attain the law. Jesus said not one jot or tittle from the law will pass away. But also he came because we can't attain it. So Moses is like, hey, let me try to cover this up. Let me try to do this. And maybe that's just my theory. That's a theory. Um, but when we try to do this on our own, we mess things up. And the takeaway is, is that sin is messy. Yeah. Sin is messy. You're not going to sin and things just going to travel in a straight line. Um, I mentioned my dad. He was talking about how Euclidean physics is false because there's no such thing as a true straight line, right? The only like straight line you can find in history is the cross, right? So everything else is just kind of... Uh, kind of messed up, right? Like there's no straight lines. But if you look at grace, that's when things straighten out. But that's a whole whole other podcast. But anybody got anything else to say before Phil drops the hammer? All right. Maccabees, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a lot to unwrap there um, when it comes to comes to judgment. But let me tell you right now, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, like judgment is coming. Like sin is a huge, huge, huge problem. And you may not think it is, um, but there's a direct correlation between sin and, as we said earlier, the desires of your heart that bring forth sin. And sin is really anything that is contrary to God. See, God has laid out all these scriptures and all of these things in his word to really give you a template for how to live out his will for your life. And by doing that, by, by following these things, it's not only that you're just giving glory to God through your obedience, but also you're helping yourself. You are living by the textbook of how to live a fulfilled and good life. And when you break those rules, when you sin, when you create and construct images like the golden calf in your own life, that could be something as your own, like own fleshly desires. It could be fame. It could be money. It could be all of these things that you have lifted up above God and said, you know what? I attribute these things to be the thing that I am trusting in. My deliverance, my fulfillment comes through these things as opposed to through God. That sin, it erodes part of your humanity. It hurts you. The Bible says, do not be mocked. He who sows will also reap. So if you sow to the flesh or sow to, show, sow to those desires, and that really means if you put in, it's input, output. If you put in feeding those desires, you are going to get the end result of those desires. And the end result, the Bible says, is death. Just like at the end of this scripture, as, or at the end of these, the section of scripture we talked about, Gabe said 3,000 people died. Let me tell you right now, you may not see it right away, but your sin brings death. And through death, separation from God. See, God is a righteous God. And he cannot dwell with sin. But let me tell you right now, <laughs> the story doesn't end there. It doesn't end just in judgment because we serve a righteous God. 
God came to seek and save those in their sin that were lost. They could not find their way. He came down and he died for you. And let me tell you right now, you may say, you know, I've exalted these things above God. I've exalted these things above God's purposes. Uh, I've, I've constructed my own idols in my life. But you know what? I realize that that is leading me down this path of destruction, is leading me towards death. And I need to change my path. I need to change the direction that I'm moving. All you have to do is just say, you know what? I believe that Jesus did die for my sin. And I believe that through that sacrifice, my sin can be forgiven. That God is gracious and that he can forgive me of my sin. It comes with just a very simple statement of faith saying, you know what? I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe that he died for my sin and I believe he rose again and defeated death. He defeated the thing that is the end result of my sin. And because of that, I can put my faith in him and be forgiven. If you, if you believe that, all you have to do is just say a simple prayer and you can just pray with me right now. I'll lead you in a very, very simple thing. Just say, Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. I know I have done things that are wrong. And I ask you to forgive me. I know that through your sacrifice on the cross and through the blood that you have shed, I am made clean. And I ask you to come into my heart and to change me, to change the direction that I'm moving, change my desires so that I can serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, next episode, we're going to be chasing the number 40 to its last place in this um, section of scripture to the children of Israel walking around for 40 years um, and just unpacking all of that. But also, um, Phil, you're talking about, uh, you know, 3,000 and just wanted to look it up, just kind of geeking out, Bible nerding. Acts chapter two, Peter preaches about the grace of Jesus and 3,000 people get saved. It's like God was undoing something that happened a long time ago through our sin, but through his grace, like he just undoes it. He'll undo it, man. Listen to us. He'll undo it. He loves you. All right. God bless you guys. See you next time. Thanks for listening. Let us know what you liked about the episode and what you'd like to hear in future recordings. We'll see you next time. God bless.